This is the We Are Outdoorsmen podcast, built by outdoorsmen for outdoorsmen, presented by Herod Outdoors and Max Luer. Top line. Top line just got this. Yes, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> that was my fault. There we go. Oh, she does it again. Welcome back to another episode of the We Are Outdoorsman podcast presented by Herod Outdoors and Max Lure. We got a little, uh, the ratio's a little strong in this one. Might have. We uh, got the Wood Family Spirits going. Bobby's got turkey calls going. And uh, we are ready to rock for episode, like, 54. We're just humming these babies out now. We're back We're back in a groove. Or maybe 53. I don't know which one it is. I'm talking 53. Oh, I, I think, mean, even I can count. Yeah, maybe. I think it's 53. You know, yeah, even though I'm, I'm on older. Episode, I'm, not, I'm like 53, 47 in this coffee right here. Why is your coffee so good there, Britain? Well, if you missed it last week, we have a new whiskey sponsor. It's bourbon. It's the Wood Family Spirits, Columbia Bourbon, 100 proof. Oh, yeah. Aged three years. They got a tap house down in the Dalles to go take a taste of it. They have a vodka as well. Great base. It's amazing. You can go follow them at Wood Family Spirits on all the social medias or woodspirits.com. Mm-hmm. And yeah, what we have to remind Britain is this bottle is 100 proof. So yes, it's a, 100 proof. It's a little hot. I got uh, basically 100 proof in this deal <laughs> So, here. So do, doing more than... One podcast at a time. <laughs> yeah. It could be, you know, a little iffy on the second or third. <laughs> yeah, we do pre-record these, so sometimes you might get us a little bit uh, amped up. Today we have uh, the Workshop Boys on the podcast. Yeah, right. We'll be talking uh, a whole bunch of knife sharpening and what they got going down down at the shop in uh, Workshop. Mm-hmm. Where are they located? They're in Ashland. They're in Ashland, Oregon. Ashland, Oregon. So mm-hmm. we got a whole bunch of Oregon flavor going, especially this bourbon. So yep, well, it's a good conversation we'll have here in a little bit with <laughs> yeah. Josh and Steve. Yep. Who who'd you talk to? Uh, Josh Warren and Steve Baker. So good. They uh, are pretty excited because well, Steve especially because we uh, well here's the news, we drew our bear tag. Ooh. For Northeast Oregon, so a spring spring bear, yeah, oh, spring nice. bear. So Steve, nice. and, oh, they don't uh, have that in Washington. Anymore. Oh, that's right, yeah, yeah. So Steve <laughs> and uh, Matt Elliott, another guy from WorkSharp, kind of the one of their senior leaders, and I are going to Northeast Oregon hunt spring bear. Nice. So who drew the tag? You? We put in as a group. Oh, nice. So mm-hmm. all of you drew? So gonna, yeah. Are you, is that going to oh, be a show? Nice. It's going to be a show. There you go. Yeah. You want to go down to Mexico and go uh, try to get one of those silver grizzlies? Yeah. <laughs> I'll go draw for a tag down there. I think Britain, you just walk down no, there. No, I'd like to go down and shoot a mule deer down there. I would too. No, yeah. I think we should go hunt the grizzlies. <laughs> Brit. <laughs> Where come, did he come right, up with I've been going down this rabbit hole. No, there's Explain some silver this. grizzly bears down there. I don't know. Explain I haven't gone. This. Well. They say that there's no grizzly bears in Mexico, mm. but I've been hearing some reportings of they're seeing some of these. Do you remember what silver, the flag used to look like? Silver grizzly bears. No, that's the California. That's California. California. But I know, but that was. Do you remember how far it used to go down into Mexico, California? Yeah, like the whole Baja. Yeah, exactly. Which we go to the tip of Baja. Maybe there'd be some in Cabo. Could silver, be silver. Hey, we could go. We're going to go a scouting. To yeah, scouting yeah. trip for grizzlies down in Mexico. Well, I'm in, but I. I, I hear they're we're not hunting grizzlies. We're not hunting grizzlies. <laughs> I hear you find them on golf courses and beaches. Every time. 
Every time. <laughs> I know. I I've resisted. Oh, I've been, How does so, he do where, that? Where well, does he come up with this stuff? I don't know. <laughs> I'm in golf mode, like, ex- other than the snow oh, outside. God. I'm in golf mode. <laughs> Tiger, Tiger came back last week. Yeah. His first, oh, boy. first tournament in quite a while. He finished under par at his Invitational. <laughs> he, yeah, he finished, oh, like, top 40. God. Big time. Big cat. Just Big cat's back. Yeah. Okay, so we're talking about work sharp. Yeah. Today, well, today, yeah, we have yeah. the work sharp boys on, but it's time prior to, to that though. We should yeah, it's talk time about. to get down on the lower Columbia and go do some walleye fishing. It's time for you know what the the, the big, big the time. big girls right now are yeah. uh, you know they're catching. I haven't seen any really really big fish. I saw a seventeen uh, that that somebody posted uh, about a week ago, but you know this is the time of year that. 17 to 20 pound plus you know fish are are posted and you know you talk to a bunch of the old guys and when i say old guys older than me that (laughs) used to fish down there that they would never tell anybody you know and there's supposedly been some 25 pound plus walleye caught down there on the columbia you know it's a destination fishery Mm -hmm. it's one of the places that you can actually go catch large large walleye this time of the year right because they're they're going up and and getting ready to spawn so they're going up underneath the dams uh you know mcnary john day the dowels every one of the dams in the impounds and you know this is the time of year when you're going to catch the biggest fish out there i would say that the entire columbia system right now I mean, because you can catch big walleye up in our neck of the woods in this upper end as well right now. In fact, you and I used to do that on Banks Lake even. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so this, I mean, February. Yeah, but those, and, those were only 13. Well, I know. 13, but what I'm saying 14, is but, that the I big mean, fish are yeah, being caught right now. Correct. Correct. So depending, no, you know, it doesn't really matter what body of water you're on. If you want to no. catch the big females, what you're catching, by the yeah. way, big females, and you should be letting them things go. Don't be keeping those get big your picture females. and get her back in the water. Yep, get her back in the water. But if you want to have that thrill of catching those big females, now's the time. Well, you know that state record was broke what three years ago. Yeah, and uh, you know it's now at twenty pounds. Yeah, and uh, you know what a but, toad. But, but right before that, uh, there was uh, two or three fish. We've got pictures of uh, the guys that caught them on smile blades. Mm-hmm. You know that were actually trolling. Right. You know, 18, 18 and a half, uh, 17 and a half. I, I mean, those are big walleye. No, those gosh. are huge. Those are huge. Yeah. 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 Now's the time. I, I really enjoy doing that. A lot of times they're pretty deep still. Yep. yep. You got to fish and uh, slow down. Yep. Lethargic. Yeah. You know, you're, fi- you're fishing this, this time of the year, February, March time frame, and you're talking about really cold water. The fish are kind of lethargic. They're yep. not wanting to chase a lot right. other than, you know, those large females are, <laughs> they're, they're looking for a meal. They, yeah, I mean, oh yeah. you know, they've got that egg production. They, they're you know, putting on the feed bag. Yeah, they're putting on the feed bag. They're wanting to eat anything and everything they can get to. So, you know, that slow trolling, uh, you know, the big thing that, that has really hit has been this whole night fishing thing, mm-hmm. fishing at night, pulling cranks, uh, stuff like that and you know fishing large profile baits with Mm. swim baits uh smile blades with with swim baits uh different types of things like that you know guys guys are catching some really really nice fish like i said i saw a a 17 caught the other night i even uh 
I've seen you take when we're pulling plugs, put small blades on the upper end for added attraction. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And that that added attraction absolutely helps, especially in, at night. You know, sure, something sure. with a a little more yep high UV, right? A little more sound, a little bit more, a little, a little bit more movement, a little bit more color. You bet. There's a reason they call them walleyes. If you, yeah. they can see, they can really see well. Oh, absolutely. Low light conditions. Yep. You get a moon out there, especially boy. Yeah. They'll see that stuff. They'll hone right in on it. Yep. Yeah. It's time, Britton. Have you done it before? Ever? I've ever caught a walleye. A big female. Have you ever caught a walleye? I've never. I've caught some big females, but I haven't caught anything like over. Like, what's 10 your pounds? biggest fish? Probably like seven pounds. Yeah, that's a good fish. That's I a mean, really good fish. You know, oh, when you start really talking about the Midwest, that that's a huge fish. Yeah. You know, you know these fish that we're talking about, we're talking about mid-teens. You know, fourteen, fifteen on up to twenty plus pounds. Yeah, if I ever had an opportunity, yeah, I'd probably catch the big one. But you oh, got <laughs> you got an opportunity coming up. Yeah, but. we're gonna go do some uh, night fishing with Jaime. Are you? Yeah. All right. Um, hmm. I wasn't invited. No, you weren't. We're going with your buddy. Wow. Yeah. One of your competitors. <laughs> One of my competitors. <laughs> Who are you going with? Justin Wolf. Oh, good. Ang- doing a little Angler West. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. But it, it's one of those things that, that, you know, this is the time of year. Right. When you go out and target those big fish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, and using large, large baits, uh, slow you know, of course, when you're pulling a crank, you know, the, you're, you're fishing a lot faster than you are. Yeah. But they, they see those, you know, you're fishing in the right spots yeah. in order to trigger those fish into wanting to bite. Yeah. You know, so, it's kind of interesting because uh, when you and I fished for them before, mm-hmm. the big girls, and, and uh, I fished a little bit down here in the below Rocky uh, Reach Dam also right. in the Wenatchee area, you fish really slow. And a fairly small profile, not much on there, like a single smile blade and a bead. And because, like you said, they're really lethargic. And yeah. They're just eating these small profile things. But what you're talking about is the night fishing, a bigger profile is a yep. better. Absolutely. So I'm kind of curious to know what all, you know, down there, how you guys do it and what yeah. works well. Yeah, I'm interested to see what we do, too, because yeah. we have a bunch of different products that will likely work. It's going to be uh, oh, yeah. trying to figure out that ticket. So we use like 1.5 small blades or just one? Probably 1.5s and 1.9s, yeah. you know, in, in front of something in order to create a little bit more more movement, sound, you know, mm-hmm. the whole nine yards. And I'll tell you quite truthfully, uh, I, I'm, I'm actually rigging up to, I, I'm putting a, uh, one of our large uh, wiggle hoochie bills oh, that's about two to three inches above one of our lures above a wally pop uh-huh. above a cha-cha crawler rig uh-huh. to where i have that larger profile at night right and get added movement to it right and you know something like that creates that larger profile a mm-hmm. little bit more movement in order to trigger those those bigger fish high now, uv we've yep oh we've extremely down, high uv we've dropped those down you know pegging the the wiggle hoochie up the line a little bit mm-hmm. a couple times and we haven't really fished it a ton, but at the Portland show, I had an awful lot of people coming up talking about doing exactly that, and sure. they've been smacking them that way. And so um, excited to try that. I think that'll work really well because it gives you that crankbait style action. It does. Yeah. You yeah. tied some up for me a while back, and mm-hmm. I used them 
walleye fishing and they work and that helps fish. now when we were doing it we were just tying up the the clear we didn't have the colored stuff so right, now right. we have the uv chartreuse mm-hmm. the yep. hot orange um and the hot pink which excited to try it up bobby oh. showed him to me he, he he seemed to be pretty bored uh <laughs> while we were down in portland he was you know he's been showing me all the stuff t- <laughs> the trinkets he's been rigging up and you so. guys you guys were down there having fun talking to everybody and you're rigging gear. and i and i'm sitting there in the shop twiddling my thumbs thinking Oh, I know what I can do. <laughs> uh, rig some gear. Yep. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good thing to be doing right now. Yeah. Kind of yeah. getting yourself ready. What my, about uh, my stuff is a mess. <laughs> what about up, uh, you know, Banks Lake, Roosevelt area? They fi- is it fishing okay, or is well, the roof has uh, been like fished out? And... No, no, they're still people are still catching fish on both Roosevelt and Rufus. Yeah. Nice fish. Yeah. But I haven't. Uh, I haven't personally haven't been able to go because course we've been going to shows and yeah if we were going to go out on banks lake we can't right now well it's a little iced over so it's still iced when uh, i thought i thought it was open down there in the middle it refroze did it and it's probably going to freeze again this weekend but i'm sure it opened back up this past week but right it's supposed to get in the single digits and then not not get above like 20 so yeah i don't know parts of it people were still ice fishing clear down on the south end and clear up on the north end but i thought that the north end to me seems oh. dangerous. I wouldn't be on sure. the ice, but I I don't know for isn't a fact. That, isn't but, that isn't that? But part of that opened up, see, and then refroze. So I don't know. Potholes was still frozen as yeah. of last weekend, and uh, you know Shelby said that he tried to get out there and you know kind of push his way yeah. through because there were some pockets and he almost getting high centered on the ice oh, yeah. and had to push himself out. Well, give a listen to uh, episode fifty one of our podcast when Bobby Schindler talks about safety on the ice this time of year Ooh. so you want to review that a little bit right now yeah exactly <laughs> holy cow. i just think you you know i need yeah. to be really smart folks you know oh yeah have yeah. a listen to what bobby Schindelar is with the western ice fishing association yep and one of the things that they do is uh, promote safety on the ice so he talks about that in that previous podcast so have a listen speaking of shelby and i'm just gonna throw a little plug in here for mm-hmm. him but you know yeah. especially with some cold weather coming in again um He's getting into the snow geese. Oh, and yes. So he that's just right. loaded up uh, on decoys and he's uh, opened up trips for, for all the snow geese stuff. And so oh, um, that'd be fun. We need yeah, to go. We got to go. We should weasel our way in. I know. <laughs> he's, got, he's got some openings, we could be especially bag boy, with the getting decoy cold. Decoy boy. <laughs> oh, if he's, we could be out on the edge or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's. Uh, <laughs> so Ross Outdoor Adventures, if you're looking to get over here and get after some snow geese in the next few oh, weeks, man. go check out Shelby. What's the coconut outlook on Schlan right now? They're ca- they're catching fish. That whole fishery right now, you know, the fish are there, mm-hmm. and they're decent size. I yeah. mean, they're they're 12, 12 inch plus fish. You know, this time of the year, so mm-hmm. you know you're looking at at some uh, some decent fish, and it's uh, it should be uh, really good this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah bourbon be. is so good. I'm gonna need to take a nap. So we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna jump into uh, our conversation with Workshop. So we'll be right back. This time of the year is the perfect time to utilize smile blades with any type of lure that you're fishing. They're ultralight inline spinner blade that's offset that basically moves your product whatever's behind your smile blade as well as you get the attraction of whatever color you put on. You know, you can create any type of forage base and it works fantastic for attracting whatever type of fish 
like the walleye this time of year on the Columbia River. Those fish are really dialed into whatever type of forage base they're feeding on. So go to maxlure.com or to a retailer near you to pick up your smile blades. Well, today I'm at the Pacific Northwest Sportsman Show in Portland, Oregon, and I've wandered over here to the WorkSharp booth, and I thought maybe it'd be a good time to talk about some knife sharpening techniques, and I've got uh, Josh and Steve. Thanks for uh, joining me, guys. Yeah, thanks for uh, stopping by here. It's always good to see you, and it's been a, been a fun show. Good to see a lot of people in the Northwest and sharpen a lot of knives. Yeah, well, thanks for having us, Richie. Yeah. Appreciate it. So, uh... I thought we would uh, talk a little bit about some knife sharpening techniques for maybe flay knives and hunting knives. Before we do that, let's have people get to know you a little bit more. So, Steve, tell me your story. What is it that you do at WorkSharp? I've done a little bit of everything. Um, been at the company 25 years now. Started out in production, worked my way up through several different places, through product design, and now I'm the product line manager for WorkSharp. It's been a wild ride. So what all does that entail? Oh, responsible for the profitability of the products, responsible for bringing the customer's voice into our product designs, um, and really the main job is um, product is the product line manager is responsible for the life cycle of the product from idea to conception, product development, all the way through rationalization and taking it out of the product line. The one thing that I heard you say is that uh, you listen to the people when they have, uh, you know, some needs for what you want. So I think that's a, a really good part of what you guys do. It's one of the things we pride ourselves on is making sure that we have the voice of the customer in all of our designs. That's where you get our best feedback. That's why we come to these kinds of shows. We get to talk to hundreds and hundreds of great people, and we get some fantastic ideas out of it. Great benefit to have shows like this really close to us. Right on. So, Josh, let folks know what you do. Well, they call me the senior marketing manager. In general, that... That means I handle a lot of the uh, some of our e-commerce with Amazon uh, advertising and content creation. So all of the all the YouTube content and the Instagram and however you guys are following us, or even the work we do with uh, like with Richie here and on Herod Herod Outdoors. Um, you know that's all stuff that that I get to work with and meet a lot of cool people and make sure we're supporting people who are in the industry and kind of like Steve said, there's a lot of feedback we get from working with. You know, guys who are out in the field doing this uh, 100 days a year and we're able to bring that into who we are as a brand, what we support and, and how that ultimately shows up in our products. The one thing I really have enjoyed about working with WorkSharp is just kind of uh, how much you're a team at WorkSharp and kind of a family-oriented company. I think that's a pretty cool thing. Would you agree? Yeah, it's a, it's a really cool culture where you know, I, you could say it's it's kind of a family, but some families are dysfunctional. I think we've I think we've done a good job of making a very functional family where we we've got just a really good you know focus on on honesty and respect for our coworkers. And uh, I can genuinely say I, I love and appreciate everyone that I get to work with, and we're able to hold that in honesty, so we're able to to work fast and efficient and and do our jobs at the same time instead of just letting it be you know family drama type of thing. Yeah, exactly. They call themselves the knife sharpening company for a reason because they have uh, basically a, a sharpening solution for everything that you have, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about. Besides these guys having the titles they have and the work they do, they're a lot of fun to do stuff in the field, and we've been fortunate to go do things together. So uh, the last thing we did was chase turkeys around, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. That was, uh, that was a lot of fun, unfortunately. The one bird I was able to call in for you guys stood on the other side of a tree and Josh couldn't get a shot, but at least we got a bird in. 
But yeah, it was a ton of fun. It was great to have you down Southern Oregon hunting with us, man. That was that was great. Yeah, what happened there, Josh? Oh man, well, <laughs> we'd seen this bird for a couple of different days, two days in a row, uh, and we named him Crafty Craig because he, uh, yeah, he ended up finding a way to elude us, me specifically, two different times. And Steve did his job calling him in, but yeah, this bird came in right on a right on a line, but behind a tree. And like Richie on the camera could see him. I think if you watch uh, watch this episode on on Herod Outdoors, you'll see that he's got good footage of him. But man, I was right behind a tree and couldn't get a shot off. It was pretty frustrating. I'm like, Josh, shoot, come on, man. And he's like, I can't see it. I can't see it. So it was a little frustrating. Yeah, that's uh, that episode is called uh, Southern Oregon Turkeys, and you can find it on the Herod Outdoors YouTube channel. So let's start out maybe then talking about hunting knives a little bit. So Steve. Uh, if we get turkey down and we're going to go back and skin the thing and take off all the meat, we need a, a pretty sharp knife. And what are some kinds of knives that we would use and the tips we, we need to have when we, we're sharpening those hunting knives? So depending on what you're doing with the turkey, I've got some longer, thinner knives that I use, the same ones I use for butchering chickens and that type of thing um, that I prefer for that. You know, more of a traditional skinner if I'm doing deer, elk, if I ever get lucky enough to knock another one of those down. The, the main thing I like to stress with knives is to start out with a sharp knife, get it sharp, and whatever you're going to use in the field or whatever you're going to use to resharpen, make sure that it complements the angle on that. So if you sharpen your knife to 20 degrees, make sure that whatever you're going to sharpen in the field with is at that angle so you're not trying to do angle changes in the field. It's be frustrating. It takes a lot of time. The other thing I like to stress is maintenance. Keep it sharp. As soon as you notice that your cuts are taking a little more pressure, you don't have as much control, stop break out your field sharpener, a little ceramic rod or whatever, give it a quick touch up and get back to work. It's safer, you'll get better cuts out of it, and it's a much more enjoyable experience. And in the end, it's gonna save you time. My favorite field sharpener is the guided field sharpener. And so what's the one that you like to use, Josh, when we're out doing those kinds of things? Well, yeah, you, you took my answer. The guided field sharpener is great. And for, for those of you who don't know that one, it's got a, a coarse and a fine diamond that's a one by four inch abrasive so plenty of stone to work with to sharpen most uh, most hunting knives or skinning knives uh, and then it has a ceramic rod and leather as well so you can I mean if you needed to you could take a knife that needed repair and it'd take you a little bit of time but in the field you'd have everything you needed to get the job done you can also just keep it keep it sharp on the ceramic and leather like Steve said get right back to it and, and get back to work if you're looking for something a little lighter weight uh, maybe for a backcountry hunt the pocket knife sharpener is a great option it just has a smaller diamond and a ceramic really lightweight I don't know the exact weight but just a couple ounces maybe it does just what you need keeps the knife sharp that ceramic is an excellent tool for uh, you know pausing for 30 seconds while you're in the middle of an elk or a deer and get you right back to work. So we're here at the show and um, I'm sharpening a lot of knives at my booth and you guys are sharpening a lot of knives here at your booth and uh, what are uh, one of the things that you see when people pull out their pocket knife and go hey can you help me with this what's what's one of the things that you uh, you notice right away about most people and and their sharpening techniques? Well a lot of people are probably waiting too long to sharpen their knife and I don't know if they're just they know they're going to come see us here and they can get it sharpened but I see a handful of knives that are that are just well beyond dull and takes me a little bit of work to get them resharpened doesn't take a whole lot of time on some of our powered systems but you know I if it were my knife I'd, I'd keep it a little sharper and you can do that with some regular maintenance you know touching it up on a on the field sharpener or something if you leave it leave it at home mostly what we're seeing here is uh 
you know, everyday carry type of pocket knives. I also see guys who, whose tips are really beat up, either that's from heavy use or from misusing a sharpener maybe like ours. Uh, so regardless of what sharpener you're using, if it's a stone or a belt system, uh, make sure you're stopping with the tip on the abrasive rather than dragging that tip all the way through the abrasive or off the edge of the abrasive. That will slowly round over the tip over time. So. Uh, you don't have to worry about that so much on on like a carbide sharpener but in general a carbide sharpener is really only good for some light maintenance so when you're using a heavy duty sharpener or like a stone make sure you uh, stop with that tip on the middle of the abrasive yeah i think that's uh, what i see as well people come and they got rounded tips and i'll ask them how that happened and they're like well you know sometimes they broke it and then they try to round it themselves but other times it's because they they spend too much time on their their tip steve uh, you had something to do with a precision adjust knife sharpener, which is a manual one, uh, and that's one that garners a lot of interest at my booth. So tell me a little bit about that sharpener, how that can be used for, for field use in particular because it's not powered. Uh, yeah, it's, it's actually a great sharpener. That was when I was still an MPD. That was the last sharpener that I designed before I went into the marketing department and took over the product line management. Um, it's our version of a rod and clamp sharpener. So there's, as Richie said, there's no power to it, so you can take it out in the field. I wouldn't recommend putting it in your pack. It's a little bulky, but... Um, for sitting back at camp, it's great. Just put it on a stable surface. There's a clamp that'll hold the knife for you, holds it horizontal. The abrasives, you get three abrasives in a handle, so they rotate all in the same handle, so they all hit the same location. It rides on a carriage, that's, so you set your angle by raising and lowering the carriage. So it does everything for you. All you need to do is just take light strokes and just drag that abrasive up and over, the, over your knife. Yeah, it's just, it takes all the guesswork out of it for you. There's a real easy button you push on the back, you flip your knife over and do the other side. So it comes with all the abrasives you need to go from repairing to something that's super sharp. It just creates a really beautiful bevel on it. Yeah, it just works. It works, it works wonderful. And, and a lot of people walk up and ask me a little bit about it. And then we have the Precision Adjust Elite and our regular Precision Adjust. So what's the difference between those two? Um, when we first launched Precision Adjust, our consumers gave us a lot of feedback and they gave it to us really loudly that they wanted a lot more abrasives. So we come up with the Elite and that one will come with three different abrasive handles on it. So it's a, basically an expanded abrasive pack. So the standard comes with a 320 and a 600 grit diamond and a ceramic. The Elite, you get diamond abrasives in 220, 320, 400, 600, and 800 grit. Then a ceramic for honing and then a leather strop. And all of this comes in a soft-sided, um, kind of a semi-soft-sided, semi-hard case with an organizer in it so you can put everything back away. You can travel with it, put it away in your camper or in camp or at home or whatever. Yeah, exactly. That's uh, the one I would like to take to the field now that, that's out there because I think it works very well. Okay, so maybe last topic a little bit. The other question I get a lot is how do you know what angle is sharpen at? And people bring their pocket knives but um, they're also asking about their fillet knives. So um, I give them a few tips. Let's hear what you, Josh, what do you tell them when they come up? How do I know what angle? Well, this is, I think there's a lot of mystery around the angle of a knife and uh, I don't want to oversimplify it, but uh, you know, I do want to provide some tips. What I would say is that the specific angle matters a little bit less than the angle being consistent and symmetrical on both sides of the knife. That's how you're going to get the best performance. In general, uh, depending on the use of the knife is how I would determine the, the angle of the blade. So uh, a little thicker handled or a little thicker bladed pocket knife that I'm using every day, you know, boxes, zip ties, whatever, I'm going to sharpen at around a 25 degree angle. That's a little more durable angle than 
you know, something on the other side of the spectrum, which may be a fillet knife or a Japanese kitchen knife, where I might be in the 15 to 17 degree angle. Technically that 15 to 17 degrees is going to be uh, sharper or slicier, but it's also a little bit more fragile. Great for cutting through meat, but if you're working near bone or like I said, you know, doing more kind of everyday chores with the knife, then I choose something a little bit more, a little more robust. So you're anywhere between that 15 and that 25 degrees on most knives, and I would say use your discretion in there. If you've got a thinner pocket knife and it's a premium knife steel, then maybe you thin that down to, to 20 degrees and, and you're great with that. If you've got a machete, that's gonna be something in the 30, 35 degrees. Uh, you want that to be a very robust edge. You're using it uh, to, to chop branches and brush. Yeah, exactly. And our uh, upgraded version of the original knife and tool sharpener has two settings, 20 and 25. And you, you have it kind of, I call it dummy proof because there's, there's a little label on the back. And I said, look right here, see, pocket knives, kitchen knives, and I'd say including fillet knives. The other thing I tell them is uh, if you can take your blade and flex it, then, and that's the sharpener that you have, then 20 is the, what you're going for, and then a thicker blade going for 25. Is that kind of what you do, Steve? Yeah, generally, because if you can flex it, it's going to be a thinner knife. So yeah, that's something that you can put a thinner, thinner edge on. You know, kitchen knives, are just you want something that's going to slice a little better, and especially your fillet knives, to be able to get in there. That's some pretty delicate work, working on a, any kind of fish. So yeah, I totally agree with you. And then the thicker knives where you're out, like Josh had said, maybe hitting bone, you're working out in the field, something a little thicker, a little more robust, it'll make it last longer. Yeah, I agree. Well, that's probably all the time. I should run back to my booth, and I know you guys are going to have uh, people coming right away, already folks going by, waving. The one thing I would say is um, if you're not familiar with WorkSharp, and you should be by now if you're listening to anything I do, uh, you should go to their website. And what I'm really impressed with, Josh, is you guys have so many um, instructional videos. You put a lot of effort into that, haven't you? We really have. Over the last uh, couple of years, we've come out with 100-plus videos on our YouTube channel that walk through how to sharpen knives and we'll get into the the very specifics you know a, a 10 minute video that shows how to sharpen every single type of knife on a certain system or we go into you know the the nerd world of how do I make my pass across the knife when I'm using the precision adjust do I saw back and forth do I just push in one direction and we kind of get to the bottom of, of some of that so you can dive in at whatever level you want to engage with and learn something about knife sharpening. Yeah, I'd love that. The, the, the workshop, that's what we call that. And it's pretty awesome. I've got to be there and it's a great place. So just a lot of great videos coming out of there. And like I said before, there's if you got a knife or any edge you need to sharpen, you can find a tool here at the workshop. So give their website a visit and check it out. So, well, you guys have a good show and, and thanks for taking time to talk to with me. Thanks again, Richie. It's always good to see you, buddy. Yeah, enjoy the show, and uh, I guess we'll see you guys on the next episode. Yep, definitely. Talk to you soon. Sharp knives save lives. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Well, it's always good to talk to those WorkSharp guys, uh, Josh and Steve. They were they spent days and days just sharpening knives there at the show. Oh, I bet. And so it was good to talk to them. And, you know, obviously they know a whole lot about it. But I just thought hearing it directly from the guys that do it for a living would be, you know, give some of our listeners some tips. Sure. Yeah. My knives are sharp. Seems like you guys, uh, <laughs> yeah. you guys 
Richie and his father Howard, they they conveniently forgot knives. So luckily, yeah. I'm a I'm a knife carrier now. Yeah, and uh, and you know where he got that? Yeah. <laughs> well, the deal is we see if we sell work sharp products in our booth, and I sharpen knives all day long too. Yeah. Yeah. And usually. My knife is always sharp, so I don't really want to drag it through yeah. the medium grid. I usually use the honing one. So, like, all day long, I'm giving it, like, one or two more hones. Mine's, like, screaming sharp. And it's like, we need a dull knife so we can show people how to sharpen these knives. And so, Britain just happened to bring us a dull knife. Yeah, I had a little sog that needed some work. And so, we sharpened it. after being sharpened for two weeks, it's, it's doing great. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty sharp. I got to tell you a story about that because, and Josh and Steve, they have tons of these stories as well that tell from a booth. But when you sharpen knives all day long, people come up, pull out the, can you sharpen a knife? Sure. And knives are rusty and they oh, got yeah. dirt all over them. Well, I use this for a screwdriver. Yeah, really? Couldn't tell that. <laughs> and uh, pits and all kinds of things. And this one guy came up one time, and this has been about three or four years ago. And he was like, these things really work, you know? I'm like, yeah, they work. You got a knife to be sharpened? Yeah. So it was dull, and I run it through the medium grit and then to the honing belt on the knife and tool sharpener. At that time, I don't think it was the upgrade. It was just the regular one, the original. And uh, I go, I hand it to him. I said, now, be careful. That's sharp. And the way you test a sharp knife is to use your thumbnail. So, you know, put the, mm-hmm. the blade on See, there at an angle. If, it'll, and I don't do if that. it'll slide or if it <laughs> sticks, you know, you know you have a really sharp knife. Same thing with a hook. Exactly. And so <laughs> this guy turns it up and puts his thumb on it and just slices it wide open. (laughs) And he does it quick because it is sharp. I mean, it's like, and he just kind of went, oh, and he kind of sticks his hand down. He's just hanging it there. I go, sharp, isn't it? He goes, yeah. And I look down and I could see it's dripping. He's bleeding on the floor. He's bleeding. I go, do you need a (laughs) Band-Aid? So do you carry Band-Aids in the booth now? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I warned him, you know, but he he was uh, hey, skeptical. A, he was a, skeptical. That was a new work sharp product. Yeah. Band aids. Band aids. <laughs> we should. That's what we yeah. should do. Yeah. Work sharp branded. All band-aids. right, there you go, Josh. There you go. You got a new branding tool. You should do yeah. band aids with the work sharp logo. I like that. I like it too. <laughs> hey, no, it's really cool. I, I I'm taking credit for that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no kidding. <laughs> 10% royalties on Band-Aid sales Band-Aid. should be pretty That's good. Right. That's yeah. right. <laughs> but they have stories like that, too. But um, those guys, man, they can sharpen knives. Yeah. I'm lucky enough to be kind of linked in with you, which has linked me in with them. Yep. And I got... You know, they have a knife sharpener for every single they do. Well, instance that's, you need a knife man, sharpened. That's their thing. You know, they're the knife sharpening company. That's yeah. kind of their claim to fame. You know what? I, I wish that stuff was used around. to exist. <laughs> I mean, you know, back back in the day, yeah. you know, I, I've been around, I can't tell you, hundreds of deer, elk, yeah. Yeah. you know, bear, all, all of the stuff that we used to hunt. And I'm talking hundreds yeah. of gutting skinning right. you know taking care of an animal properly yeah. the way you're supposed to is all we had was a stone you know right. and, and and you're sitting there you know and, and you you're trying to get that you you learned what that angle was mm-hmm. you know yeah. and and you were able to go back through and and sharpen that that product to get it back to where you needed to to finish skinning, skinning. the animal yeah. taking care of the animal yeah. properly blah 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 you know it's yeah. just it's one of those things well that's I, I I had one that I'm telling you what I wish I wish to this day 
that we'd have had something like that. Um, like the guided field sharpener. Yeah, like a guided field sharpener. Yeah. That would be beautiful <laughs> when you're skinning an elephant. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, on, honest to God. Only this is, Bobby, right? Yeah. Written. This is Only honest Bobby. to God truth. I sat for two and a half hours and did nothing but sharpen knives on a stone and hand it to somebody. Somebody hand me another knife right. and I'd sharpen it and hand it to them. And, and it just two and a half hours on a stone. I'm telling you what, if we'd have had something like that, oh. oh my God. That's a big animal. That's a lot of. I'm going to tell you what, skinning, skinning an elephant yeah. is, is a, a huge process. Yeah. It really is. Just sitting takes, there sharpening takes knives. takes the whole village. No wonder you were doing. Oh. Knife after knife. No, we had like knife. ten or twelve guys that were yeah. that were skinning. Yeah. And I did nothing but sat there for two and a half hours Keep and sharpened sharp. knives. Yeah. Oh, you'd have been good with the Oh, I guy know. To feel I know. Can you believe <laughs> something like that would have been fantastic? One one little trick uh that I can't remember if we talked about or not, but that if you're wondering what the angle of your knife blade is. Yeah, you get that question a lot. Yeah, we we, we get it a lot. As a rule of thumb, if you're but careful your, with the thumb. Yeah, be careful with your thumb. But as a rule of thumb, with your pocket knives, your hunting knives, the blades are not very flexible. They're stiff. So, like, if you tried to flex the blade, it wouldn't flex. Those, typically, you want a little bit beefier edge, so 25 degrees. And then for your fillet knives, so, like, when we're fishing and everything, if you and kitchen knives, if you can sort of flex that blade, then 20 degrees is better or even less, maybe 17 and so you, that's kind of how you figure out as a rule of thumb, 20 for fillet knives, 25 for your pocket knives and hunting knives. But if you are like, well, I really want to know what angle this is, you can take a Sharpie and you can take that Sharpie and mark the actual blade, the edge of the blade. And then so you just run it along the blade on each side? Each side. So the blade, the actual edge of the knife blade turns black. Then what you do is you take your knife sharpener, let's say it's a pocket knife and you're wondering, at 25 degrees and you make a single pass, whatever that is, either a sure. manual sharpener or a powered one. And then you look at the edge of your knife blade where you've made that mark. Mm -hmm. If the Sharpie ink is gone off of the top, you know, closer to the, away from the edge of the, of the blade, right. then you're probably not steep enough it's not sure. a steep enough angle sure if it's from the very edge of the knife and the top of that edge is black then you're probably too steep and that will help you actually know exactly what your manufactured knife angle is sure in sure. the end the rule of thumb 20 and 25 will work for 95 percent of your knives sure well especially when you're talking about a fillet knife exactly. versus a hunting knife or a skinning knife you know, that, that you would use. That's probably yeah. the most handy tip you've ever given out. Did you, you did you so? probably did you get that from Joey? I actually I got that from um, Steve or okay. Josh. Well, those guys were doing that in the. Okay. Actually, Josh was doing that. That's something that, that which we've is never handy really tip. told anybody. It's super you know? handy. Yeah, no, it's good information. But the, the in in the end, if you just uh, if you if you really want to keep your knife at that angle, that's fine. But you can also go ahead and create the 20 and 25 angle for your knife and just leave it there. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. Unless right. you have, if you had a specially very expensive Japanese kitchen knife at 17 degrees, yeah, probably want to keep it there. Yeah. Probably want to keep it there. Yeah. I got a new knife recently. What do you have? I got a, 
You like wood grain bench made. Yeah, that's awesome. It's the S30V. Yep. It's super nice. It's a nice knife. Thank you, Alyssa. Yeah. How about that? Uncle Bobby over there. Uncle Bob. Ooh, what, what do you, you got? This would be a Columbia River knife and tool. Ooh, yeah. Those are good, too. I yeah. Used to, I used to be my everyday carry. That, that's that's what well i used to carry that that small kershaw yeah you know forever they, those guys gave me one of the first ones mm-hmm. one of their first little flip knives you know that yeah. was like two inches long and i found that i've <laughs> i was having to because of the fact i use knives all the time mm-hmm. i don't care what you one's know, always in my pocket I, I've, too. I've carried a knife for 40 <coughs> years in in my pocket and that small one had a tendency of, of not not being just quite what I needed all the time. Right. So I started carrying this this little bit larger one. Right. And the larger one, you know, is is fantastic for doing virtually anything. And of course I don't use it for screwing no. screws in it's or not the right tool. prying stuff out. It's not they a make tool. one for that. It, it, it's they a make knife. a tool for that. It, it, it's yeah, exactly. It it's a knife. So I started carrying this larger one and, and I love it absolutely love yeah. it but that that kershaw was fantastic i've got uh workshop gave me they have a special that bench made one uh, they did with yeah them. bug out with a yellow the, the workshop yellow color yeah That's, it's so light and so sharp that's yeah. the best knife for your hunting pack and then i have a mini bug out that i carry in my pocket mm-hmm. every day those Benchmade makes some really nice knives yeah obviously. oh absolutely the thing absolutely. about it's the steel when i got to tour the factory and that makes all the difference. And, oh. and I couldn't tell you all this stuff about the steel, but in their back room, they had racks of steel, all these different numbers. Sure. And all their knives are made with different kinds of steel to meet oh, different absolutely. kinds of reasons. And my, you know. my hunting knife, if you can believe this, is an old buck that I bought 35 years ago. And those were made really well. Oh, they, they were. brand they, new one with my name the, etched the, on it. The buck is fantastic yep. for hunting knife. Yeah. But this one is a flip blade mm-hmm. that they only made it for like two years, mm-hmm. and it's got a plastic handle on it. Yeah. And I am telling you right now, I will, I, I'll give it, I'll bring it in, yeah. and you guys can take a look at it. It's the sharpest blade that I have ever used. It's like a razor, and it just holds the edge. It too. holds the edge, and the stupid thing, like it's thirty-five years old. Right. It, Ryan, Ryan, and I and Mark all bought one at the same time. And both of them have lost both of theirs, you know. Just you better stuff hide over yours the years because they probably try to get yours. Well, exactly. <laughs> and, and and I and I won't, I won't let them touch mine. I wouldn't. No, and it's one of those things that that was absolutely. It's a fantastic knife, and, and I don't let anybody touch it. Anyhow, it, it it was it was great, and it sharpens fantastic. Richie's so, over here just like searching for knives. What were you looking for? I'm counting. He's counting how many knives. I he didn't has take in here. your knife over here. Holy God! Yeah, look at this guy. I have, uh, he knows exactly where every knife in the house yeah, is. He's making he's sure we don't steal a knife. I have, I have like seven knives in this room alone. <laughs> <laughs> how many uh, knife sharpeners do you have in here in this room alone? I a bunch. The closet. There's full. one by Bobby's ear right now. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's which one's that one? The where's he got? Which one is Bobby? Oh, I you you've got you've got uh, everything from the <laughs> oh that's that's bench, a, bench to uh, yeah I've got um, manual sharpeners in here up yep. the gazoo. I've got their their stones are back behind you in there. Yeah. 
I carry the field sharpener with me a lot of places. Got a bunch hey, of field the, the, sharpeners in there. In, in, in my in my hunting pack is is the field sharpener <laughs> yeah. that I carry with me. I have them I all over the place. Well, Absolutely. I might have a problem. I don't know. I, kinda, <laughs> I, I might have a problem. <laughs> I kind of like knives and yeah. sharpeners. They're everywhere. I, I like using them. I mean, <laughs> I that's all. Yeah, I like using them. And, and when you use it's them, kind of cathartic. They, they better be sharp. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of like the. Uh, People don't understand how to sharpen like a serrated knife. Yep. You sharpen a serrated knife the same way you sharpen yeah. a regular knife. Yeah, and we can sharpen those. We, yeah. we do all the time. and All of our you, electric knives. Uh, isn't yours? Pull yours back out. Doesn't yours have a serrated Oh, yeah, it's edge serrated on, on the, on so the back you, end. If you look at his yeah. knife, which you can't look at. Yeah. We're, here, we're gonna just here you guys take a look at it. What do you think of that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're going to talk about it, but yeah. you, you have your serrated side yeah. of your knife blade, and on the back it's flat, correct? Yep, absolutely. So when you sharpen your serrated knife, you want to sharpen that flat side. Not the side that the, the scallops are on, the serrated part is on, because you'll actually ruin it. But if you take and flip your knife over, lay it flat against, yep, you know, like a kin onion edition or something like that, yep. and just give it a little bit with a fine belt, or take a fine diamond plate or a fine stone and just lay that flat and just run it on there. Yep. And just a couple passes, and, and that'll, for the most part, sharpen your serrated The serrated knife. edge. Yeah. But you know, sharpening, sharpening, uh, especially electric knives, because most electric oh, yeah. knives have serration on them. Yeah, and they're and they're flat on one side because yep. the two yep. blades come together. They come together, and I have sharpened them several times. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, it, it works fantastic. It works really good. Yeah, make sure you go to uh, hairdoutdoors.com. He sells a whole lot of Got the. Him. Uh, Knife sharpeners, if you don't find what you're looking for there, go check out uh, worksharptools.com. They uh, have all sorts of manuals and blogs and videos oh. on how to you know, the, use every single one. The best the best part of that is the, the workshop. They have a whole series of videos that they have. At the factory there, they have a, a back room that they call the workshop, and they have a bench, and they do demonstrations. And uh, there's just so many great videos. Just go sure, check them out. Sure, Yeah. You know, people use knives for virtually everything. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, whether you're you're cutting up a roast or whether you're cutting oh, a yeah. steak or whether you're cutting a, an animal, you know, skinning, etc. Fish, fillet, whatever, you know. Got to be sharp, though. Absolutely. it's got, The sharper that knife is, the, the better safe. off you're going to well, be. Well, the safer you are because yes. if it's a dull yeah. and you're pushing on it, then yep. that's when you're going to shove that sucker in your leg or hand. Oh, but, let me think. Let's see. I might have done you that. You might have done that. Might have. Hmm. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Should we get out of here? I think it's time to go. It is. It's time to go. I'm getting hungry. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, we 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 haven't got anything to eat, but we got we whiskey. Have, we got wood, wood family, family spirits, spirits Columbia Absolutely, bourbon, baby. <laughs> All right, guys, we're gonna head out of here. Until next week, we will talk to you later.